This morning, our text is in Isaiah chapter 45, and I called it the crooked place. (laughs) The crooked place. Now, um, sometimes crooked places on the road, you know, I've heard this expression that it's crooked as a dog's hind leg. You know, anybody ever heard that? You know, a dog's hind leg is crooked. (laughs) It's not straight, it's crooked, it's bent. And it's, of course, for its ability to run and so on. Um, we, I was thinking of uh, a rabbit. You know, they have their little flat foot. You know, it's almost like the whole back, area, back length of their paw or whatever is. But, you know, that's their defense. You know, they can really kick. <laughs> you know, they can really kick with their, their back legs. Um, I was also... I never knew this, uh, maybe I've said it, you know, like turkeys and animals that rest in trees, you know, that whenever they um, roost for the night, chickens and so on, well, especially turkeys, I know this is true, that whenever they roost on a limb, you wonder how they can stay put, you know, in a windstorm, you know, they got to hold on that, and, and does, you know, like, if we hold on to something for, you know, hold it tight, hold it up, our hand gets tired, and I often wondered, well, how can they hook on to something and not get tired? Well, in their bone going up from their claws, it goes up to that joint in the elbow. We call it an elbow, but it goes into that joint. And whenever they rest down, and they um, kind of like sit down on their legs, their claws come in. And so the weight of the bird hook, it hooks into the tree, <laughs> And that's how they can stay there all night. And it isn't like the muscle holding it. It's the bone and the, t- the, the, the length of the, whatever they call it, the ligament that, that hooks to their claws. It, but the weight just sets down on there and it hooks into the tree. So that way, that, it doesn't have to worry about falling out of the tree when it goes to sleep. <laughs> so, you know, you come to church and learn many things. Yeah? So in our lives, there are a lot of crooked places. Now, what would you consider a crooked place? <laughs> What's a, what a, you know, the road isn't straight and it isn't, isn't flat. You know, the text uh, says that uh, God will go before us and make the mountain flat and, and that he will uh, take, make the, bring up the valleys and we often called it, they often called it the king's highway. That before a king would go to a region, he would send out the slaves to take down the mountains, <laughs> you, know, take, you know, get rid of all the bumps and so on in the road and smooth out the road and take the hills and put them in the valleys so that it wasn't up and down and hard for the king to travel. So that was often called the king's highway. Well, God is telling us in the, in, through the prophet Isaiah that I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. First of all, God is telling us I will go before you. God is going before us. Now, if we look at life, and kind of was um, speaking of that this morning in um, the wrong Sunday school lesson that I prepared, (laughs) Uh, I just came to the open, the the one, the Sunday school lesson that I hadn't scribbled on, so I figured, oh, that's the next one. I didn't look at the date. Glenda had already taught it when I wasn't here, you know, so... (laughs) Yes, it was okay. It was good. I learned some things. But anyhow, David writes this psalm, Psalm 43. 
David writes this psalm after he has um, he has gone to the Philistine capital, Gath, and he has gone into the city seeking refuge because he's fleeing from Saul. Now, this is David who killed Goliath, is now running from Saul, and he's seeking refuge in a, the city where he killed their leader, <laughs> their big guy, their big man of war. David killed him. And so he goes into that city and people recognize him. Well, they close the city gates. He can't get out. And so what's going on? You know, that's a crooked place. <laughs> that's a place that just doesn't make sense. That God is going to go before us and the places we find ourselves that just put us in a um, being trapped, feeling trapped, feeling like there's no way out, things are never going to get any better, that we're sentenced to this place or whatever event, you know, our neighbors, family, friends, you know, job, we're, we're, we're serving out a sentence. And David in his psalm says, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll rejoice before the Lord. I'll praise him forever. And the challenge is for us to know that for David, I was thinking of it that he killed Goliath. That was out in the open under the urge of the spirit and the, uh, in his heart, he picked up five stones and you know, put, put one in a sling and you know, went running at Goliath and he killed him, took him down. Great man of war. It was a great defeat. Now, some years later, he's fleeing from Saul, the king of Israel, because Saul is jealous of him and he's finding refuge in the very city of the people that he killed their giant, their, their mighty man of war. He led, he led Israel to a, a great defeat over the Philistines. You know, the great victory over the Philistines. Now he's hiding in the city. What do you think they're going to do to this guy? If they find out that this is David, you know, the guy who killed Goliath, if they believe, they think it's David, if they believe that he is David, can you imagine the type of death they would have for him? I mean, they'd probably peel the skin off of him. <laughs> I mean, they'd come some horrible, horrible death, but here David is in this city, and how do you get out? Well, the scripture says that David acted like he was insane. <laughs> he started frothing at the mouth and drooling down his beard and scraping on the walls, and the people thought, he's, this isn't David, he's nuts, and they kicked him out of the town. And I mentioned that in our... In, perhaps in David's life, he saw God use him in battle in front of everybody, and he saw God use him, that God was there helping him in the city, in the place that he was seemingly trapped. And in our life, sometimes life seems to feel like we can conquer anything, and sometimes it feels like we're trapped. So go insane and people will let you go. No. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like we're trapped. And David was learning that the hand of God is upon his life and that no matter where he is at, no matter what he, where he, what he is facing, God is there with him. And so the crooked places in our life are often the crooked places are often the speed bumps. <laughs> we have to slow down. 
so the places where there's construction, detour, you know, you can't go that way anymore. You can't live that, way, that life anymore. You can't do those things anymore. God is saying, and we feel trapped. Well, God is the God of the mountain, and he is the God of the valley. Whenever Israel was fighting their battles, um, the, um, the, the, the enemy came up with the, I think it was the Philistines, came up with the idea that whenever we fight the um, Israel on the mountains, they always win. So their God is the God of the mountains. What we will do is we will get Israel to fight in the valleys. It's either one way or the other. And so they got them, Israel to fight in the valleys, but Israel still defeated them. And that's where the scripture talks about God is the God of the mountains and the valleys. That no matter where we are at, our God is victorious. And the enemy of our soul, the enemy of our life, cannot defeat us. <laughs> cannot defeat us because no matter where we are at, he is there. Now, what is the, one of the first things we should always check in, fight, in fighting battles? In the crooked places. What's our attitude? <laughs> what is our attitude? You know, people who are constantly negative, they, they can't see any, there's no, there's no good in this. There's no positive in this. Negativity breeds negativity. If you are negative, you have a bunch of negative friends. Because if you're, you're negative and your friends are positive, they gonna, you know, sooner or later, they're going to get rid of you because they can't stand that negativity. Someone just the other day was saying, you know, my, my friends are becoming less and less because they're just so negative, I can't stand to be around them. <laughs> you know? So what you do is you go up to your people who are your negative friends and say, Pastor said I can't spend any more time with you. No, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> you know, negativity, and, you know, there are some things in our life that are non-negotiable. Talked about this last week. Non-negotiable. Bible says don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat, don't bear false witness. You know, what he's tell God is telling you, don't do these. These are non-negotiable. Don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't do these things. Why? They are non-negotiable. They will destroy you. God, when God tells us don't do something, it's for our own good. You know? Don't do this because it will hurt you in the end. But our senses and our way of thinking, <laughs> we kind of like, well, you know, it's, it will feel good. It's going to make me look good. It's going to make me more than what I am. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Look good, feel good, more than what I am. It's all about me. But in the battle with David to fight Goliath, in the battle that David fought to get out of the city alive by acting like he was insane, both of them revealed to him, helped David to understand God is the God of the mountains and the valleys. God is the God of the battlefield and of the places where we feel trapped. Our faith is more than just getting into heaven. 
Our faith is more than just waiting to die and go to heaven. Our faith is about living a life that God is going to live through us and that we are more than conquerors in this life. All of the events that we face, the crooked places, the speed bumps, (laughs) the potholes. (laughs) Um, What's the road that goes from Davidsville down to Ben's Creek? Uh, Pardon? No, it's not Somerset Pike. But anyhow, if you go down there, they've got a sign that says bump, okay? And the, the road is going down into the creek, Ben's Creek there. It's going down in. And they, they, put, they, they paved it, you know, it was nice and paved, and then it sunk, and then they patched it. And now the patch has holes in where it goes down. <laughs> Sooner or later, that's going into the river. <laughs> now, that will be a speed bump. <laughs> you know, No. Sometimes the road that we always travel becomes closed. Crooked place. We've got to take a detour. Well, the crooked places in our life, and what what I want to say is that we need to face the crooked places in life with a knowledge that God is always with us. And the crooked places are part of the plan. You know, um... This morning while I was going over the, script, the, the, the psalm that wasn't the lesson, uh, <laughs> while I was going over it, I was thinking of, uh, you know, what is truth? Okay, you know, we were, a, a pastor was writing and saying things to me on, you know, we were chatting back and forth. And, and I was, uh, one of the you know, thoughts that I had was, um, okay, what is truth? Okay, what is truth? Ask a Democrat, ask a Republican. Ask a extremist on both ends. <laughs> what happens? You got completely different perspectives of what people look at. So when we process things, we look at things, goes into our mind, and our education, our experiences, our outlook, all those things process that and come out with a truth. This is how I see it. Well, when we look at the scriptures, we look at the scriptures and, you know, people can interpret them differently. And that's why we, we have different translations and going back to what does the original say and all that, all those types of things. But I think, and the thought that we put on, sent out to my, uh, my friend was, truth is a life experience that we put into the heart of God, the scriptures, which is a filter that when it comes out, has, that's when it comes out as a pure, like water. It comes out pure, and then we go ahead and do it. Like looking at the obstacles of our, the political field, looking at the difficulties that we face each day, looking at the problem that we face at work with the neighbor, with family, with anybody and everybody, with our county, with our government, we look at those things and we put it into the filter of God's word. And then when it comes out, it always comes out as a promise. A promise. The truth is the promise. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never go away. 
So whenever we allow the word of God, the scripture, to be the promise of our life to face the crooked place, to face the crooked place, we find that in that what we see is a promise. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. When you feel trapped, I will never leave you nor forsake you. There's a way out. When you feel that you have to be the only one that goes into battle to face the enemy, you won't feel trapped. You won't feel like I'm in this, for, I'm in this by myself. I'm in this with God. And I can take down this big guy. And I'm going to do it with something that is familiar to me. A stone and a sling. Now, being insane, I don't think that was familiar to David. But he just kind of acted this way. And so, whatever it was, he was understanding that God was with him. So when we face the crooked places, we need to remember the promise. Nothing is going to defeat me. Well... What if I'm defeated? Well, that's not, that doesn't, you know, I used the illustration of the martyrs in the early church. They went out, they were put into the arena by the Romans and fed to lions and used for target practice. They were used as human torches. You know, they just had sport with them. Well, we would look at that through the human perspective and say, that's terrible. But God, looking through it through the scriptures, these people are going right to heaven. <laughs> they are martyrs for the cause of Christ. And their death and the way they died prevented, stopped the Romans from continuing that practice because they lost the sport of it. Because these people were thanking God and they were killing them because they're Christians, but they were dying as Christians. Serving God and singing hymns and praises to God. Were they frightened? I'm sure they were. But they faced the reality of what they were going through. And in our life, we are facing the realities of what we do. Going to school. <laughs> That's fun, huh? <laughs> Is that right, fun, going to school? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was only a few people that love going to school, and they're generally teachers now. <laughs> Rhonda loved to go to school. Yeah. But we'll let that alone for another day. So, <laughs> but when you, when you love something, you're drawn towards it. So what about the difficulties that exist in the classroom? Well, loving what you do helps you to overcome that. So God wants us to love, to love our life. <laughs> to love the life that God has given us because the Lord says to Cyrus, okay, in verse 45. Now, um, Cyrus was the king, and God is telling Cyrus that I'm going to uh, go before you, then you're going to conquer the enemy, okay? Now, in those days, you had, you looked at your army, and you looked at the other army, and if they had 20,000 and you had 10,000, chances of you winning are slim, you know, if you lived in Jericho and you had a bunch of wandering people coming out of the desert, your chances of being overcome are slim to none. But you see, they had an understanding that God was with them and they did something 
completely opposite of what they should have done or what we think they should have done. You know, dug tunnels under there and secretly got in and unlocked the gates and they could all ran through the, you know, we had, you know, let's come up with a plan. Well, God says, God, they had to see Jericho the way God saw it. Put the event into the word of God, the heart of God, and let the answer come out. Hmm. March around the city, seven times, seventh day, seventh time, blow the trumpet, walls came down. It's not a fairy tale. (laughs) It's not just wishful thinking. It was trust. Well, God is telling Cyrus, he is anointed, he is appointed king, and I hold your right hand, and I will help you defeat nations and take away other kings' power. Now, when you go through difficulties, how many hold hands? <laughs> you grab a hand. Can I hold your hand? Can you hold me? Can you, you know, can you give me balance in this? Okay. So the king, God is not telling the king, don't worry about it, you can stand on your own. He's telling the king, I will hold your right hand. <laughs> when you face the dog leg, <laughs> when you face the crooked places, God is saying, stop, ask me to be with you because I want to hold your hand in this. I think that's why so often when we pray, you hold someone's hand or touch their shoulder or whatever, you lay hands on them because it's, it's like that the hand is represented of support. The hand of God is represented as, as being supportive and strengthening and caring Nothing can separate us from God. Nothing can ever take us out of God's hand. So when you feel alone, that's not God. That's not the word of God. You take the situation, put it into the heart of God, which is the scripture, and it comes out as, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. How can you be alone? See? I will help you. Help, (laughs) help you. You ever feel like you need help? we should get up every day and know we need help because this life is not our own, it's God's. So we're asking God for help to live this life. Everything that I face, I'm asking God for his scripture and his help to do, to live, to be. I will help you and I will defeat, subdue the nations. You're going into battle and I'm going to take those guys down. Wait a minute. Did you notice? that I hold your right hand, I will help you, I will take the other king's power, I'll help you defeat the nations, I will take away their power. See, the time that we are frightened of someone is that they have more power over us than we do. (laughs) We are kind of living in the shadow of their power, uh, uh, we're in fear of what they can do. But God is saying, I will take away their, their power. They do not have power over you. Many people talk about the devil. You know, the devil did this wrong. The devil did that. The devil's fighting me in every turn. Oh, excuse me. God says, I took away his power. Okay? I took away his power. Don't live in fear of his shadow. Live in an understanding of my strength. God is telling us this. Live in the shadow of the cross. 
I died. I defeated death, hell, and the grave. I descended into hell, and I took the keys of death, hell, and the grave away from Satan, and I rose from the dead, and because I live, you shall live also. <laughs> See, so whenever we're frightened, we throw that into the heart of God, like the mixer. We put it in there, and when it comes out, it comes out clean and pure, and oh, God is going to help me. He's going to hold my right hand. He's going to take away the power of my enemy. God will take away the power of my enemy. In the psalm this morning, evil will destroy itself because evil has nothing to do but plan evil, and what it does, it ends up coming around to destroy itself. Children of God always have hope in the deliverance that God is going to bring. That's why we're not defeated. We cannot be defeated. In Christ, in Christ alone I stand. He is the rock. He is the foundation. His, the principles of God operate my thinking. I don't lie. I don't steal. I don't cheat. I don't break God's commandments. I'm not, you know, telling lies about people. I'm not making things up. I'm allowing God to give, and what I'm doing is living by the principles of God. I will go before you. God says, okay, you ever notice in the snow <laughs> you're following someone's path? Okay. Well, God is saying, I go before you. What I'm asking you to do, David, God is telling that to us, to you, I want you to follow my path. <laughs> Wait a minute. I want you to follow my path. God is going before us. We, and his word is a light unto my path. God's word is a light that shines upon the path that God has already programmed, pre-planned, or put in, put in place for us. So we are not making, we're not path breakers. We're not, we're not exploring new territory. We're just going where Jesus has gone before. We're not Star Trek. Go where no man has gone before. <laughs> we're, we're following God. God has, a plan, a God has a plan and a purpose. He created you for a reason. He made you who you are for a very special purpose. I go back to um, graduation <laughs> for the two graduates and the anointing oil. Somebody else's anointing can't be upon your life. God has anointed you to be you. And his oil will anoint you for your purpose that he has for you. You can't be somebody else. It won't work. You can only be you. And take you to the place, the greatest place you can in what you do. In everything, we apply ourselves. I will go before you and I will make mountains flat. I will break down, I will shatter, I will smash the bronze gates of the city and cut through their iron bars. Everything that says that it's going to restrict you, that you can't do or can't become, God is saying, follow me. I'll take care of, you. I'll take care of this for you. No problem. <laughs> I will give you the wealth that is stored away and the hidden treasures so you will know I am the Lord. 
God says we will never be in want. Now, there's different interpretations of all, you know, I'll never be in want. <laughs> you mean I can have everything, I can be the winner of the $100 billion lottery. Well, we don't have to be the winner of the $100 billion lottery. God is, has a way of transferring the funds into our own lives and into our own pockets, into our own bank accounts. We don't have to be thieves. We have to be people of faith. We don't have to steal somebody's wealth. We believe that God will provide it to us. He will provide the means and the ways by which we can understand and do and apply truth. You know, there are some people who understand the stock market. Some people who understand investments. I don't. <laughs> some people do. You know, I won't go there. But anyhow, God is going to, and this is, and this is I don't have to understand it. This is the place where I can, I can act crazy. <laughs> no, not give away all my money. But uh, this is the place where I, can, I don't know what to do. But he says, I will give you wealth that is stored away. It's already set up for you. Remember the story of the, the, in heaven, there's all these boxes in the warehouse. And, you know, going to heaven, we go there. And what's that big warehouse? Oh, that's where all the boxes are kept. You go to the, where the warehouse is and there's all the boxes. And on the boxes are all these names. And, and you say to God, what's this? Over here, all these boxes. Well, those are all the things that were stored up for my people that they refused to believe that they could have. And we go and we find our name. <laughs> and there's all these boxes of stuff that God wanted to put into our lives but we did not believe. <laughs> we didn't believe he could do that. I will go before you. you. Notice this psalm says, the Lord says to Cyrus, but he also says this to us. I hold your right hand. I will help you. I will take away the king's power, other people's power over you. I will open doors for you. I will go before you. I will make the mountains flat. I will break down the gates, the restrictions. I will give you the wealth that is stored away. I will give you the hidden riches. I will, I will do this because I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I am the God of Israel who calls you by name. It's specific to you. <laughs> I call you by name. God's anointing, his provision, is for your life, my life, individually. And collectively as a body. But individually, God is calling us to believe. And how much faith does it take? It takes the amount of faith, remember? Don't have my wallet. But he got a dollar bill, $20 bill. You got a $100 bill on you? Anybody have a bill? Got a bill? Give me a bill. And I'll close with this because I did this last week. Here we go. Here's 100. All it does is lack zeros. <laughs> okay? This is currency. And if it had more zeros on it, it would be worth more money. Right? We think God is in the business that if I have enough 
zeros after my little bit of faith, God will answer my prayers. But you see, God doesn't, this is, this is how we think. Currency, dollar gets a dollars, 20 gets 20 bucks, 100 gets 100 bucks worth of stuff. Faith says, if I have faith as a grain of mustard seed, I can say to the mountain, be moved. Doesn't matter how big the bill is to move the mountains. It matters if I can have enough faith as the size of a grain of mustard seed, which is one of the smallest seeds on the planet. (laughs) If I can have that much faith, I can be recipients of all that God has promised me. Amen? Let's all stand. Life is short, eat ice cream. (laughs) That's not in the Bible. (laughs) So, the life is short, enjoy it. You know, tomorrow, today is the tomorrow we wished for yesterday. So, let's have enough faith. Well, God has given us the faith. God has given to everyone a measure of faith. God has already given us the faith that we need to move the mountains. Now, some people use their faith. I don't believe. Okay, you're using your faith. But God is saying to us, do you believe? Saying to Cyrus, I'll I'll go before you. I'll open the gate for you. I'll take the mountains and take them down so you have a smooth road. I will give you the provisions that are laid up for you. And it doesn't, take, it doesn't even take a dollar. It doesn't even take a penny. It takes the faith of a grain of mustard seed that God has already given to us to ask and to believe. All we're doing is learning the word. God, we thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you, O Lord, for the truth of your word. Help us, O God, to apply this truth to us to our minds and our hearts and our lives. And thank you for each one that is here. We thank you, O Lord, for your covering, your covering that is over our life, that you will protect and guide us and that you go before us and prepare the place, the path for us. Help us, O Lord, to follow that path. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you.